Thank you for joining our Transform 365 podcast, a discipleship and teaching ministry of SWCC. We pray this teaching helps you to grow in your journey with Christ. We have some great resources available for you on transform365.com webpage. Feel free to download discipleship materials, small group teaching, as well as peruse our training workshops. Also take time to visit www.swcc.org for videos, teaching, and more. We thank you for listening and your support, and we would love to hear from you. So use our contact page and drop us a line. Now, for our podcast teaching. Well, in Matthew chapter 5, as we've been talking, Jesus, he sits down on a mountainside, and he begins to teach his disciples. Now, I want to go ahead and just make this very clear, that it is important that you know Jesus as Savior for salvation. Right? Amen? Everybody in agreement with that? It is important that you know Jesus as Savior for what? Salvation. Salvation. Savior. Salvation. And it is equally important if you want to follow Him or be a disciple of His, that you know Him as, say it with me, Lord. Okay, that is going to be a different thing. There's a difference in the relationship here. You see that? A disciple is sitting at the feet of the rabbi learning. A disciple is saying, Jesus, you know what? I know you as Savior. Now I want to make you the head of my life. And that's a major difference. Now, not everybody that's a believer becomes a disciple. Not everybody that believes Jesus is Savior makes Him the Lord of their life. And that doesn't mean they're any less saved, and it doesn't mean that Jesus removes His salvation, because that would be very greedy, wouldn't it? That would be unfair, and that's not the Jesus in my Scriptures. That's not the Jesus I've read about. When you read John chapter 3, verse you know, 16, where it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whosoever would believe in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It doesn't say that whoever works at it and makes Him Lord of their life. None of that is mentioned in that salvation passage of Scripture. Amen? But it's very important that we realize that if we are to grow in our relationship with Him, we need to take different steps. And those different steps is towards discipleship which is what we've been talking about in this series. And so Jesus, He sits down His disciples, those that have been following Him, those that He has hand-chosen, and He begins to teach them in the Beatitudes, basically saying, this is the moral character. This is the mindset that I want you as my followers, as my disciples to have. I want you to be distinguished above everybody else. And this is what He says in verse 8, what we're going to be going through today. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I think that's worth reading one more time, amen? It says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. In 1961, the Russian cosmonaut Yuri Gagarin was the first human to travel around the Earth's orbit and return safely. The first human. Remember, we had the the space race. Remember? And and whoever was going to make it to the moon first was going to be known forever. And they didn't want the Russian-Soviet Union 
uh, sickle and, and you know, hammer to be what was placed on the moon. The United States said, we will beat the Russians to the moon. We will beat the, the Soviets. We don't want communism to be on the moon. We want freedom and liberty and justice to be the first feet that land on the moon. And they made it a priority. But the Russians beat us to space first. The Russians beat us in orbiting the earth first. And this man, Yuri Gagarin, was the first one to do it. And the Russians, the Soviets, they took him around and he paraded around and he did a bunch of interviews all over Russia at that time. And at that time in Russia, just for those of you that don't know a little bit about history, the Russians were uh, communists, uh, part of the so it was the Soviet Union at that time, and they had a very strong Lenin and Marxist view on life. That's what the influence was. And under that influence, they believed in atheism. They actually declared themselves the first atheist nation. They said, there is no God. We have kicked God out of the Soviet Union. And after being in space, Yuri said this after looking out of his vessel in an interview to push the Soviet agenda. He said, when I looked out my window, I did not see God anywhere. And a very famous preacher at that time replied, let him step out of his spacesuit, and he'll see God a lot quicker than he thinks. <laughs> you see, the pure in heart see the Lord in all that they do. The pure in heart see the Lord's guidance in every step that they're taking. Why? Because they go to God for His guidance in every step. Don't they? They see God's handiwork in all creation. When they look right and left and they see people walking by, they see God's handiwork in the people that He created to be in His image. When they see a sunset, they see the beautiful painting of the Savior. You see, those that are seeking the Lord see the Lord in everything. The pure in heart are seeking the Lord in all that they do. And that's worth saying again. The pure in heart Seek the Lord in all that they do, and so they see the Lord in all that they do. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, it says this. This is Paul writing. He says, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Paul says, hey, look, if you're a believer, seek Jesus. If you believe in Jesus Christ, focus on the things above, which is Christ Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Verse 2, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on this earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. Praise God for that. Paul says, seek what is above. Seek what is at your heavenly address. Keep forwarding that address to the heavenward. You know, it's... Do you, 
Do you think about that? I mean, just think about that for a second. How many of you have ever had to forward mail? Raise your hand. And that's what Paul is talking about here. He's saying, keep on forwarding your life heavenward. You see, you go to the, to the post office and you tell them, hey, look, I'm going to be out of town. I need my mail directed here. All my mail that usually goes to this address. Or maybe you moved. Maybe you had moved and you went from this house to this house. And so you're saying, hey, look, I need all my mail forwarded here until I get all my bills settled and I give them my new address. So all the mail that usually goes here, I need to go there now. And Jesus is saying, I need you to live your life forwarding everything to heaven. Not living in the moment of earth today. Keep focused on Christ who is in you. And who is your fingerprint? Well, excuse me, you're His fingerprint. Focus on love. Focus on His creation. Focus on redemption. Focus on grace. And focus on the beauty that is all around you. You see, the, the problem with today is we're focusing too much on pain and hate and misery. And that's not the heart of God's creation. And that's not the heart of God. Jesus, in speaking to His disciples, to His followers, and these would be men that were despised and hated, every one of them suffered persecution. The only one that died an old man was John. The Apostle John was the only one that wasn't martyred but he was boiled alive. He was boiled alive, so it wasn't for lack of trying to get him. Just he was a hearty guy. And he's saying, hey look, I want you to have a heart focused on love, grace, mercy on the cross of Calvary. Keep focused on Christ." He's speaking to His disciples. He's speaking to His followers. And He says, I want you to look at life through the lens of grace and see God's hand in everything. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. He says, blessed. And as we've been talking in this series, it literally means to be content or satisfied, to be happy with things. Content are the pure-hearted. And let's stop there for just a moment. What does that statement, to be pure at heart, mean? I think for the best answer of this, we need to look at another area that Jesus is speaking in Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15, go there with me. And we're going to look at a bulk of verses, starting in verse 1, going down to verse 20. Matthew chapter 15 Starting in verse 1, going down to verse 20, and we're going to try to do it in, chunk, in, in edible chunks, but we need to understand what does it mean to have a pure heart. Then some of the Pharisees and the scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Now I need to stop there just for one second because this sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? Especially with all this coronavirus. Wash your hands, then sanitize your hands, then wash your hands, and then hold them up so everybody sees your hands, right? That's kind of what's going on nowadays. And that was similar to what was going on, I guess, in those days. But not quite. 
You see, the Pharisees weren't coming and complaining that they were being unhygienic. That's not what was taking place here. It doesn't imply that the disciples had dirty hands, they'd been playing with the puppy, and all of a sudden they go and sit and eat. They're not my kids, okay, Naomi? (laughs) It's not talking about uncleanliness. What it's talking about is ceremony. And it implies that later on in the passage, tradition. What happened is the, the Pharisees, they created this new type of ritual that they wanted everybody to follow. In fact, later on they say it was the elders that came up with it. And they said that they started to wash their hands, and after they were done washing their hands physically, they would go and spiritually now wash their hands before God. They would start going like this and show everybody that they're washing their hands spiritually for everybody to see. And so they came to Jesus and they're saying, hey, your disciples aren't practicing the spiritual cleansing of hands. What's going on? Well, we know Jesus said, hey, look, if I cleansed you, you don't need your whole body cleansed. And Jesus was looking at His disciples as whole body cleansed. We keep on going. And Jesus answered them, verse 3, and He said, Why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? So now he's getting to the heart of these guys. For God said, honor your father and mother, and he who speaks evil of his father and mother is to be put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father and mother, whatever I have that would help you has been given to God. And we'll get to that in a second. He's not to honor his father or his mother. And by this, you invalidate the Word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites! Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. After Jesus called the crowd to Him, he said to them, hear and understand. So he's just, he's just put the Pharisees in their place and now he's going to teach the people what this is all about. It is not what enters into the mouth that defiles man, but what proceeds out of the mouth that defiles man. Then the disciples came to him and he said, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this statement? Jesus, did you know that you got the guys upset who've been hounding you constantly and going after you? And now he starts to teach his disciples. But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father did not plant shall be uprooted. Let them alone. They are the blind guides of the blind. And if a blind man guides a blind man, both will fall into a pit. Peter said to him, explain this parable to us. And Jesus said, are you still lacking in understanding also? Do you not understand that everything that goes into the mouth passes into the stomach is is eliminated? He's saying, hey look, I don't have to explain to you what takes place when you eat food, do I Peter? It comes out eventually. That's what he's letting them know. He's saying, Peter, come on, you should know that. He said, but the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and those defile the man. 
For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and slanders. These are the things which defile the man, but to eat what is unwashed with unwashed hands does not defile the man. You see, let's go to verses 1 and 2 real quick. It says, some of the scribes and Pharisees, they come and they question Jesus. And they come to Jesus very upset because He being the premier rabbi was not teaching His disciples the ceremonial hand washings. Jesus, you being a rabbi, you being, in fact, the people started calling Him the good rabbi. The good rabbi. He was better than all the other rabbis. He was purer than all the other rabbis. And they're saying, you being the rabbi, the main rabbi here, why aren't you teaching the ceremonies of the elders? Jesus hits it right at the center of the matter, which is their heart. If you notice constantly within this passage, within these 20 verses, Jesus keeps on saying, at the heart of man, what comes out of the man, what comes out of the heart of the man, because it's not about what comes in. Because that moves out eventually. He says they were more worried about their appearance than care, and it showed. They were more worried about what people thought than caring about people, and it showed. They designated things as set apart and consecrated for the Lord. He says this, he says, you know what you do? You dishonor your parents when they're in need. By saying, I, I've already offered this to God. I can't give it to you. You see, what they had in this time was Corbin. And what it meant was, when you declared something Corbin, you're saying it's set aside for God's use. And it didn't mean that the church came, or the tabernacle came, or, or the temple came and said, hey, guess what guys, we need some extra grain. So um, anybody that's got extra grain laying around, Declare it Corbin and bring it in. That's not what it's talking about. What they would do is they would look at what they had around the house and they'd say, that's Corbin. That's set aside for God's use eventually. No one can touch that in this house. No one can spend that money in this house. It's set aside for God's use. And when God tells me to use it, I'm going to use it. And then Jesus is saying, and your parents come to you with a need. And you're saying, oh, well, I wish I could help you, but that's Corbin. He's saying, you've just closed your heart and dishonored your parents. And he's saying, which was one of the basic commandments for life with God. When food, shelter, or money could help your family, no, Corbin. Sorry, it's set aside for only God to use. Or when God tells me to use it. Mom and dad get kicked out of their house, but that extra room in the house, that's Corbin. I've set it aside for my room of prayer. Mom and dad are out of food, but your pantry is full and all set and ready for Passover and for the Seder, but Corbin, that's set aside for God. You see, they were dishonoring God with the hardness of their hearts towards others. In verses 9, 11, and 18, Jesus also says, hey, but listen, Jesus says, it's not 
It's not what you're putting in. It's what's coming out. Because you're not just defiling God with your actions and your heart and the, and the hardness of your heart. You're teaching other people to do that also. And he's saying, that is the garbage of the Pharisees. When they teach other people to disregard God's love, grace, and mercy. You know when somebody is disregarding God's teaching. Because they add to Scripture. Because it doesn't match up with the basics of Scripture. You see, Jesus is saying, look, all you have focused on was law. All you focused on was these things. And we're going to see that in a little bit. He says, you focused on everything but God's love, God's grace, God's mercy. And that is the heart of the message of the entire Scripture from the beginning. Adam and Eve sinned, and what did God do out of His love, compassion, and mercy? He covered them. You see, we often over, overlook that one little part where it says, and God clothed them. God's heart was always with them. That is a heart of love from the beginning. But the Pharisees, what did they focus on? You have to do this, and you have to do this, and you have to do this, they have to do this. And let's add all these extra things. Let's have these ceremonial hand washings. And that happens today, doesn't it? Isn't that exactly what's happening today in the message of some people? They go out there and they say, hey, God wants you to be prosperous. But what did Jesus say? Hey, they hated me, they're going to hate you. They persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Is that the message of the Bible? That you're going to be prosperous all through your life? No. Is the, is the message of the Bible that God wants you to live by law? No, because the message of the Bible is that Jesus came and fulfilled the law so we could have a relationship of love, grace, peace, mercy with Him. So Jesus is saying, hey look, don't be tricked by the defilement of falseness. Because that is people speaking from their heart. In verses 8 and 9, Jesus said that they were using their traditions to look outwardly holy. But their heart had holes in them when it came to loving other people. And you see, when you don't love others, what you're showing is that you have a lack of relationship with God. When your life's not overflowing with love and grace and mercy, it's because there's a disconnect with the one that has love, grace, and mercy to pour into your life. The disciples didn't need to be ceremony and tradition so people could look at them on the outside to see holiness. Jesus didn't want displays and fake holiness. Jesus was saying, inside, I want you to seek God from the inside and start living it out. I want you to go to God with a pure heart, a tender heart, a heart turned towards Him, which is a heart turned towards people. 
That's the heart of His message. Seek after what pleases Him. And that's what makes you clean. Jesus said the heart is what makes somebody defiled. Verse 20 of this passage. To defile, it literally means to pollute. It's the word koino in the Greek. And it means to pollute something that was set aside for God. Isn't that interesting? Because he's talking about how you have just declared something Corbin and set aside for God. And he's saying, and you have polluted that thing. Which should be set aside for God. Which is your heart. Your actions have polluted your heart. God wants your heart. He says, love your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your spirit. And all your strength. Right? And he's saying, you've polluted that. You defiled that. You, you, you're trying to love God and love other things. And you're polluting things. You're polluting your heart. And it's coming out in your actions. And it's coming out in what you say. So Jesus is saying, not doing the ceremonies, not doing the, all those hand washings and stuff like that, that doesn't pollute your heart. Closing your heart to your parents. Closing your heart to the needs of others. Closing your heart to the pouring of God's love. That's what pollutes. On the flip side of the polluting your heart, Matthew 5.8 says, Blessed are those that have a pure heart. So we, we're looking at the pure heart and we see what it means to have a polluted heart. Right? It means that you are allowing things to be mixed and, and used that were, should be set aside for God. You're using it for something else. And, and Jesus says, hey, but guess what? Blessed are the pure in heart. Not the polluted in heart. The pure in heart. The word here for pure is the word katharos. And it literally means to be clean or pure. Unsoiled. Unpolluted. And it's literally meaning that it has no mixture in it. It's just something complete and pure. Jesus is saying, have a pure heart. A heart with no mixture. No, no thought of trying to have any gain for yourself. No thought of evil. No hints of gossip. No wanting wickedness on a brother or sister in Christ. No mix of selfishness. Have a pure heart which is reserved for God. The Pharisees focused on being outwardly clean for men for the, for the sake of being seen. And God wants you to be inwardly clean from a pure heart. You see, some people like to live like the Russian cosmonauts, re- refusing to seek and see God in the work of their life. Refusing to see the times that God showed up in moments of weakness. Refusing to see God's hand even in the worst of times. Refusing to see how God is at work all the time, even in the worst of times, even today. Some people like to look out and they see the beauties of the stars and they see the beauty of creation and they say, where's God in that? And He's all in it. 
His fingerprints are all over it. But you know what a disciple seeks? And a disciple sees? They see Christ from an unmixed, pure heart. Don't let your heart be mixed with love for self and a love for God. Let it be purely and wholly His. In Matthew chapter 23, we continue on in this understanding of what it means to have a pure heart. Matthew chapter 23, verses 23, down to 28, I believe it is. It says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees! <coughs> Excuse me. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law, which are, read it with me, justice and mercy and faithfulness. But these are things you should have done without neglecting the others. Every time somebody believed on God's promises, what it was it declared for them as righteousness. And you read in Scripture, all those people were considered faithful and heroes of faith. And what is Jesus talking about here? He's hitting them right between the eyes with the truth of what is wrong with their heart. You're neglecting faithfulness, grace, mercy, and love. You blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you clean the outside of a cup and of the dish, but the inside they are full of robbery and in self-indulgence. Yeah, go ahead. Keep on cleaning those hands ceremonially. But the inside of you is rotten. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the dish so that the outside of it may also be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but on the inside they are full of a dead men's bones and all uncleanliness. So you too outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. When you separate God from love, when you separate God from grace, when you separate God from mercy, you are lawless. You're a hypocrite. That's what he's saying. Jesus said, hey look, I came to fulfill the law. My understanding of the law is love. In verse 23 of this passage, the Pharisees left out God's law of love, grace, mercy, and faithfulness. In verse 24, they became blind teachers, not able to navigate the Scripture without seeing love. You see, they would open up passages of Scripture, and instead of seeing God's hand of love within it, they would interpret it as, you must do, you must act, you must live. What was the sin in the garden? 
How did the woman fall? God had how many rules? Good. Somebody looked at my finger. I'm glad. (laughs) They had one rule. You shall not eat. But when the woman was asked, what did God say? What did she say? You shall not look. You shall not smell. You shall not touch. Did God say any of those things? No. God's law is love. Love out of a pure heart. Notice Jesus says, outwardly you look clean. Outwardly you have the appearance, but verse 27, inside you are dead. You're dead. You're unclean. Literally, if you came across a dead person, you were ceremonially unholy for a matter of time. You had to go do ritualistic types of sacrifices, ask for pardon. You had to go to appear before the priest later on. You were unholy and unclean until a certain designated time. And he's saying, you know what? You're worse than touching a dead person. You are the dead person. You're akatheros, which means unpure. You're mixed up. King David was said to be a man after God's own heart, right? We all love to remember that, that King David was this man that sought after God from a pure heart. He was after God's own heart. In Acts chapter 13 and 1 Samuel chapter 13, he's, de- he's described in that way. He is a man after God's heart. But that didn't mean that David was free from sin, did it? No, and that's, that's the same thing with a pure heart. It doesn't mean that you're free from sin. Jesus, in teaching His disciples, isn't saying in Matthew 5, 8 that I want you to never sin again in your heart or anything like that. We know that David had some major battles with sin, don't we? Some major ones. Had a friend, had one of his great friends, one of his mighty men, had him killed so he could hide that he had slept with his wife and got her pregnant counted the nation out of pride to see what he had built. I mean, there's a lot of things in his life. But he was considered a man with a heart after God. So being pure in heart doesn't mean that you're going to be pure from sin. It means that you are locked in step with God's rule in your heart, in your hand, in your life. You are holding His hand and saying, God, guide me and lead me. My heart is pointed towards you. King David wrote this, and this is actually what Jesus is quoting in this passage of the Beatitudes. In Psalm chapter 24, verses 1 through 6, he says, The earth is the Lord's and all that it contains, the world and those who dwell in it, for he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? And who may stand in His holy place? And He answers, He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood and has not sworn deceitfully, he shall receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of His salvation. This is the generation of those who seek Him, who seek your face, even Jacob, Selah.
See, Jesus is quoting in the Beatitudes this right here. Blessed are the pure in heart. And I want you to have that same heart as my disciples. Let no wickedness or deceit come out of your mouth because all that you've been taking in is the pureness of God into your heart. Clean hands and pure heart denote integrity, singleness, devotion, undivided loyalty. And that's what he's saying that he wants his disciples to have towards him. Devotion to him. It stems from the whole being, being not divided, but committed to God. He, he, Jesus pronounces a blessing that if you have a pure heart and if you are devoted to Him, if you're hungering for Him, if you're thirsting for Him, if you're showing blessings of mercy, that you will see God's face. And what does it mean to see God's face? What, what does it mean to see God's face? Well, I'm going to get a little technical here in, in the Greek. It's a future continuous tense. Okay, It's the future indicative. John's excited because he loves Greek stuff. No one else is. Everybody else is just glazed over. But here we go. I'm going to explain it because it's very important. It means they shall be continually seeing God for themselves. If you're going to translate it, that's how it would be. They will continually be seeing God for themselves. But also, here's another thing. I'm going to have another Greek spasm here just for a second. Listen. It's written in the middle voice reflexive. So really what that's saying is this. They shall be continuously seeing God for themselves. What does that mean? If you go to God with a pure heart, aim towards Him, devoted to Him, you're going to see God in all that you do. Because His hand will be guiding all that you do. That word that's used, see God, is the word optonome. Optonome. And it means to appear before. God's going to appear before you in all those moments that you're living life for Him. When your heart is directed to the King of kings and Lord of lords, you're going to see Him. You see, God wants you to seek after Him. And you know what's beautiful about that word optonome? It's where we get our word obtain, to obtain something. And I want you to think about it in this way. When you seek after God with a pure heart, you obtain Him. Isn't that beautiful in its thought? When purity is in your heart, you see God all around. And it's not going around and living Pollyannic like, oh no, I don't see any of the things wrong that's in this world today. No, it's you are looking for a way to do what's right and to see what's right. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I love a great, big, juicy burger, don't you? Mm. Some of you guys are saying, all right, pastor, 
It's 12 o'clock. Let's go. I want that juicy burger right now. Shula's is calling me. <laughs> and I like to eat it in the freedom of not getting sick. How many of you guys like to get sick after eating a burger? No, no one? No one? No takers? No takers. No takers. Okay. But not long ago, there was a sickness going around, and you guys might remember it. It was called mad cow disease. Do you guys know how it came about? It was because cows were eating things they shouldn't be eating. A cow would die that was sick and diseased, and you know what they'd do? They'd say, hey, you know what? Let's feed that to a cow. And they were grinding it up with other stuff, with other antibiotics and, and all those other different things, and they were feeding cow to cow. I know, everybody's like, I don't want a big juicy burger right now, <laughs> Pastor. You just, you changed my, I'm going vegan today. And feeding sick stuff to a sick cow doesn't make it better, does it? Feeding sick food with sick steroids, with sick antibiotics, doesn't make a problem any better. Now I know some of you guys think it's funny because I like to eat organic and grass-fed and all that stuff, and everybody's like, ew, organic! Hey, look, I love organic ice cream. That's not healthy. I mean, it's got so much sugar in it. I just like my food pure, the way God intended. But I have what I put in me come from a pure source. That's really what I'm trying to get to. I like my cows to eat God's green grass and not other cows, not sick cows. Why? Because then it doesn't defile me and fight me back and make me sick. Some Christians are eating God's green grass, but they also walk over to the world's sloppy mess and you're risking disease. Some like putrid gossip and they take that in as they're taking in God's green grass. Some like the black grass of death that they see on TV. Some people like the mix of poison that they see on Facebook. And they're taking all that in and wondering why they don't have a pure heart. When we focus our hearts on God's Word and we apply His grace, His love, and His mercy... It's the right food to stay healthy. Amen? Amen? Only then will our hearts be capable of doing what they are meant to do, which is help us see God in His glory. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Thank you for joining the Transform 365 podcast a ministry dedicated to helping you grow in relationship to Christ. If you want to know more, find us at transform365.com or on our church website, www.swcc.org, located in Miami, Florida. Until next time, remember, the only work in grace is to let grace work in you. God bless.